not this body, because it will be no more. What's out there, what I'm putting on the line in front of 40,000 fans, in front of millions of Japanese watching television all over the country, is my pride, my guts, and my heart. Because you don't become the king of the death match by knowing all the moves. You become the king of the death match by kicking out of all the moves, by denying pain, denying suffering, hoping that you can kid yourself just long enough. I'm feeling good, you know, in Cactus, you're going down, boy. You are going down right here in Kawasaki Stadium. And I mean what I say, Jack. And his opponent, he weighs in this evening at 235 pounds. I'm here with Killian McMurphy, and we're going to find out some of the odd and strange stories he has. Odd and strange stories, okay. It's a very interesting question. Can I talk about how my trainer crapped his pants? How PG are we? That's pretty strange, right? And see, when I started training, it was the damnedest thing. He, he talked to me, I was like one month, maybe two months into training, and he brought up crap in his pants. And he'd send it, he said he had done it like two or three times, and he acted like it was the most normal thing. In fact, you weren't a wrestler yet until you crapped your pants. And I went into this business for like the first year, just expecting, okay, one of these days, it's going to happen. And, you know, I'm four years in now, and I haven't crapped my pants yet. And I've talked to a lot of people, and not a lot of people have. Have you ever crapped your pants? Maybe. There we go. That's pretty strange. <laughs> maybe, uh, maybe this could be the night. This, dude, this might be the night. I've jinxed myself. Now you've scared me. I'm going to clinch up. That's right. You could hear it first right here on Bizarro Aficionado. He may crap his pants. Okay. Update to come. We, uh, yeah, update to come. And what's your, who's your, who are you uh, wrestling tonight? Uh, I'm in the Battle Royal. Ooh. So if I win that, I get a shot at the heavyweight title. But if I crap my pants, I'll probably lose because I'll probably just leave. No belt is worth the shame of that. Can't you just use that as a weapon? The crap or the belt? Yes. It's <laughs> a good call. I think I gotta rethink my strategy. <laughs> that is fantastic. Thank you very much, Smoking on gas, got me slumped, chasing Z's, chasing Z's I've been high up off my ass, magic beans, magic beans Flying solo, Mr. Dolo, what you need, what you need Ground control to major time, do you read, do you read? Yeah. Well, I'm back in the game and I'm feeling myself Quick level up, now I'm building myself Every day, never take a break, still in myself Addicted to the growth, only focused on well Still slide to my 9 to 5 Just by the time, till I'm on the rise Blasting off, I'm not asking wrong This ain't frat rap tell the haters fuck off I'm shining, so blinded As a vibe, got no diamonds Bro boy, got nothing in my wallet Spend all my green on the green quite often Still flawless, stand tall and Say fuck it to me, face calling Time to ride the wave, override the shade Inhale the haze, have a lovely day Yes, got me slung, chasing Z's, chasing Z's I've been high up off my ass Magic beans, magic beans Flying solo, Mr. Dolo What you need, what you need Ground control to major time
Even if you have never seen a match, you have all heard the names. Hulk Hogan, Andre the Giant, Superfly Jimmy Snuka, Bobby the Brain Heenan, George the Animal Steel, Good Guys, Bad Guys, Good versus Evil, Baby Faces versus Heels. These are the guys you've heard of, the exceptions to the rule, the Dwayne the Rock Johnsons and the John Cena's. But who keeps it fresh? Who is out there in the trenches face to face with the fans, making them laugh, making them boo or cheer? I wanted to know. My friend Scott has been in the local pro wrestling scene for over 12 years as a manager and most recently as a ref. I knew if there was anyone who could get me in the locker room, as it were, it would be Scott. His friend and colleague in the ring, Mr. Ula La, has been in the industry for over 30 years with the ECWA. They were more than happy to sit down with me and, and explain to us a little bit what it's all about and where did it come from. Well, you you wanted to start, you wanted something bizarre and talking pro wrestling is, it started out carnival style. See, that was something I never knew. I had never, no idea that it started, one, back that far. Yeah, I mean, the history of pro wrestling is like, uh, it started as a performance art, 20th century. Um, basically, it started along with like, you know, the strongman, you oh, know, yeah. uh, I guess even before vaudeville. Um performances were were fixed um you know i mean that was basically to so that the carnies could make their money sure you know um but they're they're it's the, people want to say choreographed yes it is choreographed but you need to know how to do it without hurting yourself so you as know? a trapeze artist but they can die yeah <laughs> yeah you know? um i mean it became a competitive sport basically in the 20s before mm. that it was like you know, anybody, you know, come face my strong man and he would throw you around and, you know, you'd get a shilling or whatever, <laughs> whatever, <laughs> right, whatever, right. wooden nickel, yeah. <laughs> uh, whatever there was back in the day. Right. Um, you know, I mean, and that's just United States. Uh, yeah. In Paris, in Paris, we'd give you a baguette. <laughs> I've well, had some it, good baguettes, though. I mean, speaking <laughs> of, of wrestling in France, I mean, it, that was basically the showmanship. It, it started in France in the 1830s. Um, you know, I mean, there was there, there was wrestlers named Edward the Steel Eater. <laughs> I, I mean, you know, uh, the uh, let me see if I can get this name right. Gustave de Avignon, the Bone Wrecker. Avignon. Avignon. <laughs> you got that? And uh, Bonnet, the ox of the low Alps, and he <laughs> the would low he, Alps. the low Alps, not, not the higher the high ones. Alps. They're uh, pussies. And he <laughs> would he would knock people around for like five hundred francs. Oh so I mean, and then you got Ulala. <laughs> he he does it le- for less than five hundred francs. And started about the same time. Yeah, right? and yeah. about the <laughs> same time. He's he's in the mid Alps. He's in the mid Alps. The mid Alps. The mid Alps were actually just southeast of Kayfabe. Kayfabe. Yeah. That's right. But for any of you who don't know, yes, besides kayfabe uh, being a uh, wink, wink uh, part of France, kayfabe is is uh, the wrestling speak um, back in the days of like you know the sixties, seventies, eighties when wrestling was not considered a sports entertainment. It was you know if if the ring rats are coming backstage, you would say kayfabe because that was you you didn't want to talk. You, you, it's how how would you explain kayfabe to the common person? It's keeping the separation between good and bad, 
as mm. wrestling came up through those times, you pretty much had a good and bad. Now the lines are blurred today. But back to the Carney days, the way they were able to identify their opponents was from the handshake. Oh yeah, that that is true. Oh I wow, mean, that's still that still kind of happens depending upon where you go today. Where the, if it was, not, I mean today's if you still do the handshake thing, a light handshake means you work light, means you're not a uh, what they call stiff. That would be a hard handshake, means I'm gonna throw you around, I'm gonna show dominance over you, that kind of thing. Wow, so that way they could meet in public, probably have never spoken before, and know exactly how to act with each other, for the most part. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. agree. Yeah. Shaking your head doesn't show up on the <laughs> yeah, much much like my handshake. You know? <laughs> yeah, your hand, the handshake sound effect insert here. Yeah, right. When you nod, it makes noise. It does. It does. It, it does. does. Sounds like a, a spray can. <laughs> the older I get, the more of a rattle it has. Um, I mean in America though, I mean the popularity declined in like World War Two until the fifties and then you had guys now now you told me that your your grandma and my grandma, they would watch Gorgeous George. Right, right. So, you know, you had that that gained main, mainstream popularity. Yeah. Um, Mexico and Japan kind of came around the time, like, after the after World War II, the late 40s, early 50s. That was their golden age. Um, especially in Mexico, there's a guy named Santo who uh, became the Mexican folk hero. Uh, Rico Dozen. Whoa. He achieved uh, similar fame in Japan. He was, I guess, their Santo. In Japan, it went on to be Giant Baba. Yes. That that really took things over from the 70s into the 80s. Mm-hmm. And then Tiger Mask and those. Okay. And then you had the Guerrero family in Mexico that have really carried the legacy for generations coming up from south of the border there. Yeah, I mean, most people know, like, Gory Guerrero and, sure. and uh, um, Eddie Guerrero. Uh, rest in peace. Um, I mean that, and right now the big thing out of Mexico would be the lucha libre style. Oh yes, absolutely. which you which you'll catch on Monday Night Raw. I mean they have the the lucha uh, lucha house party, and then there's the mm. lucha brothers on another one. But the lucha style is more of a free form. Uh, there's less. It's usually two and three people per tag team. There's not really tagging. It's just kind of you get close, and then the next person comes in, and they flip, fly, flop. You know, it's a lot more of a you know a, a Cirque du Soleil type of right, right. thing. And, and in Mexico, I mean, it's like every there there's there's so many of those luchador hotspots. You know, just in the main cities, you can go probably find one like you could here. Independent wrestling on a Saturday night, you'll find one in the tri-state area. Now, how did it move from sort of like grappling to what we ended up seeing with like Blackjack Mulligan, you know, where people wanted blood. So you would have chain matches and and uh, cage matches and barbed wire. And when did that start? I honestly don't know the origins of it, but wrestling even today is in a constant state of movement and mm-hmm. evolution. Uh, as you actually, if you look at AEW, they're, they're taking it kind of, I feel like they've taken it kind of back to the 80s, early 90s again. But I'll tell you what is missing from wrestling right now. The little people, the midgets. Now, are we allowed to call them that now? It's, you said little people and then you use, but they use that term still in midget wrestling. And you, we've, we've come across small people in wrestling and they still consider themselves midgets at, you know, for, 
I mean, we have uh, midget extreme wrestling that comes to Philly here and there. But yeah, I mean, there's there's that. I mean, the the women have made a mainstay. They're big right now. Women's wrestling is huge. Whereas back in the '80s, it was glow. It was more sure. of just a. It was just a televised jokes and dancing, right. and there's a little bit of wrestling. Now the the women just kill each other and and put on some amazing matches. And that the oh. women, I'm sorry, but oh, the no, women sure. work as hard as the men today. Oh, they do. The uh, who was the uh, female wrestler that came in? That was Sammy Pandora. She was amazing. I, I wouldn't want to get in the <laughs> in the ring with her. She busts my ass. I've I've ref two of her matches and yeah. and yeah, she's no joke. She is voracious. It was just bam, bam, bam. And and, and that's a shout out to Work Rate Entertainment. Yeah. Uh, that you know they they run everything uh, from running a ring of their own to setting it up to doing the music, wow. uh, refereeing, teaching wrestling, everything. Wow. Then I know there's been some really strange wrestlers throughout different cultures and stuff like that. Well, I mean, starting in the UK, you got exotic Adrian Street and Miss Linda. Uh, yeah. Do you remember them at all? Actually, I. <laughs> They are fantastic. If you go on YouTube and watch them mm-hmm. work, it is something. They're still relevant. What they did then is still relevant today. That's great. Yeah, I mean, I think they took it up a notch from the uh, gorgeous George. Um, there's, you know, the you know the typical feather boas and lots of makeup. And, right, right. You know, they were the big. They were big for UK, which is a lot of mat wrestling. The closer okay. you'll get with UK wrestling, it's a lot more of what you would see in amateur wrestling. Sure. Mixed in. So it is more grappling. Yeah. And mm-hmm. and, and uh, as you know, we as we spoke of earlier, George the Animal Steel, um, you know, most people you go you take a look at him. I mean, he was very hairy. He was bald, yeah. however. Yes. Uh green tongue, ate the turnbuckles, which when I went and saw ECWA for the first time, that was my first match was seeing Ulala versus George Animal Steel. Oh, wow. Okay. And uh, I took one of our buddies some uh, turnbuckle padding and threw it at him when I got there. <laughs> um, but it's crazy because if you, George Animal Steel, whose real name was William James Myers, he died in 2009. Right. I recall. He, he, was a, he had a Bachelor of Science degree at Michigan State University and was a coach and phys ed teacher there also. Good after, yeah. I mean, he was. A very smart man. Very smart. And if you do get an opportunity, he has his own, his life and his words on YouTube. It's about an hour long. Ooh. It is a fantastic hour. I will to link watch. to that in the show notes for, so people yes, can check that out. Yes, please do. Yes, yeah, it's definitely. fantastic. It's his life story and his words. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I definitely want to check that out. Now, you also you you also mentioned earlier uh, or later, depending upon when you're listening to the part of the right, podcast, right. Uh, Abdullah the Butcher. I mean, his gimmick was being the evil Arabian sadist. Uh, he spoke no English at one point, um, and he's he's had some of the bloodiest uh, matches in history. And uh, you know, he's got all this major scarring on his head. Oh, wow. Um, unfortunately, I think there's a uh, hepatitis issue with that nowadays. Oof. People won't get in the ring with him. There may be, but his matches, his bloody matches between the NWA with primarily Dusty Rhodes and then Puerto Rico with Carlos Colon, oh, yeah. they mm. have they battled unmercifully over the, the decades, it seems. Wow. Uh, I think one of my favorites was uh, growing up, I, I never really knew much about him, and of course there wasn't YouTube back in the day. Right, right. Uh, was the missing link? You know, he's one of those oh, from right. parts yeah, yeah. unknown. I remember. You know, he wore the glue, uh, the the blue and green face paint. Yeah, shaved portions of his head. 
I um, forgot all about him. Too. Yeah, it's great you bring him up. Uh, basically, you know, he was one of those guys who always needed a handler or a right. trainer. Right. You know, and he would just ram his own head into turnbuckles, wooden mm. chairs, dot. He was one of the first few that really took into the diving anywhere just to you know get after his you know his opponent um but you know looking at strange and bizarre i mean through the years you got obviously the undertaker i mean right. one of the most phenomenal Absolutely. wrestlers of all time one of the best gimmicks if you wouldn't if you would say uh luna vachon uh great female wrestler mm-hmm. uh uh gold dust gangrel who gangrel does the vampire gimmick papa oh, okay. shango yeah, uh, yes. mankind. Oh, with of course, Mick Foley, right. Mick Foley, three faces sure. of Foley, the boogeyman who would eat worms and <laughs> put them in other people's mouth, spit them in other people's mouth <laughs> oh after the God. matches. Waylon Mercy, Kevin Sullivan. Nowadays, you got Bray Wyatt. But if you take, you look back at Kevin Sullivan and branch off of that, you had the Moon Dogs. Yes. That you had right. the Wild Samoans. You had. Muda, and prior to him was a great Kabuki, where they would right, have the right. green mist. Yeah, I mean there were some. F- it it was absolutely, honestly, in my opinion, the early, late seventy, early eighty was probably the apex for wrestling. Down even yeah. to the announcers, where you had a Gordon Soley. Right, and for years everybody thought that the tape of the Battle of Atlanta between Tommy Rich and Buzz Sawyer was lost. Mm-hmm. But yet, <laughs> I don't know. They may have found it. They did find it because it's on the network. Okay. And my only wish is I wish somebody would. I wish somebody had found the commentary from a Gordon Soley to put with that to hear him call that match. And it was the Battle of what? The Battle of Atlanta. It was at the Omni. That's that was that was the coup de grace for for the. NWA between Tommy Rich and uh, Buzz Sawyer. Well, you said the, the tape's lost. It's not available, or no? They thought for decades that it oh, was okay. lost. They thought it was lost, and somebody found it. It is on the network. Yo, yeah, look they it up. Find it on WWE Network. Yes, possibly on YouTube. I just watched it on the network. Okay. Well, I would I would say for most people are not going to have the network that are listening to the bizarre podcast. Cause the, the, I mean, <laughs> right. we're, we're talking, if anybody who's into wrestling knows most of the stuff we're talking about, anyone who's not, you're probably going to find most of it on YouTube cause you won't have the network. But for, you know, myself, Ooh, la la, we, you know, we subscribe to the network and it's in on at least once, twice a week, just watching great matches. And if you really want to see something very cool, Watch Table for Three with Roddy Piper, Paul Warndorf, and Gene Okerlund. Oh, that sounds great. Yeah, that they the Table for Three is really cool. You know, they'll talk about old times. Kind of like, you know, sitting here. Sure. You know, th- th- there's a bunch of those that you can take a look at some of the old guys and uh, go through that stuff. So, Scott, who was your big hero as a wrestler? Well, uh, the match that got me into wrestling was now I would watch the Saturday night main events and I knew the Hulkamania running, you know, running wild oh, and stuff yeah. like that. But the one that got me was uh Macho Man Randy Savage versus Tito Santana. Okay, yeah. And Tito was bringing Macho in from the outside into the inside with a back body drop. Savage had some brass knuckles in his pocket, kind of like Ulala does all the time. 
uh, and he popped him. <laughs> he popped him in the face and covered him for the pin and threw the knuckles, you know, away. Ref didn't see it. It blew my mind as a kid that he didn't get caught and he left with a belt. I was like, "What is this?" Yeah. And that that that's what got me from you know. And then I was hooked every Saturday morning watching the squash oh, yeah. matches yep. and. I got into rock and wrestling with Captain Lou. And, oh yeah, and, yeah, you know, definitely. And, and and all those guys. Um, and then I, I really picked up all of who I was into. Now, as time progressed, I did lose a little bit of you know. Once the the Monday Night Wars picked up again, I really got back into it. And unfortunately, I as bizarre as it sounds, uh, Chris Benoit was probably my favorite. That's kind of taboo nowadays. Um, I remember, did he, he was a the Japanese or some sort of Asian guy no, with a no, bowler? No, 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 no. Who no, no I, I don't know who you're uh, talking about there. Chris Benoit was uh, Canadian, uh, <laughs> oh, was the uh, crippler, and uh, he oh, unfortunately yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, killed his wife and child oh, and dear. committed suicide. Oh, To be close, you'd have to be in the same hemisphere. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was not a lot of wisdom for you. Yes, right. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I mean... Uh, and, <laughs> the Benoit's uh, Edge, uh, you know, everybody loved Stone Cold and The Rock. Sure, you know Vince McMahon being the bad guy. That was that was the top. Even his daughter got in there at some point. Yeah, she's she? she still yeah. gets in there too. And, she uh, runs it now, doesn't she? She's one of yeah yeah. yeah. But uh, you know that that was that was me. I was really into the eighties, and if you like look along look on my shelves and stuff, there's a lot of eighties stuff there. Ooh la la, and I were in the eighties. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean that's that was my time too. Yeah, true story. I know. <laughs> but unlike, you know, Mr. Ulala and I who are regressing and getting younger every year. Okay, that's a lie. We're both getting older. But you speak for yourself. <laughs> so now I know uh you had mentioned when I was talking before about uh shark matches. Well, the the one of the I, I wrote down a couple matches for you yeah. to check out. There was one called a shark cage match with Chief J Strongbow against Bulldog Don Kent. I'd never seen this. Yeah, uh, and it was basically they put them in a little shark cage in the middle of the ring, <laughs> and there was no room to fight. Right, and it was the first person to escape. Oh, so they weren't even, there weren't any sharks. There was no by. sharks, <laughs> um, which is it's funny you say that because then they used the shark cage. The one I remember most was having Jim Cornette suspended above the ring. Oh, yeah. They've used the shark cage a couple times for managers where they put them suspended above the ring so they can't get in involved, you know. And usually the managers, as smart as they are, uh, they would usually drop down some brass knuckles or a foreign object or something like that. We could that. do that with Hightower, couldn't we? Get like a large dog crate, hang them above the ring. No, we can't. No? Oh. No. <laughs> Poor Hightower. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, if you want to take a look at some of the... the, the there's the J Japanese have, like, the death match. Um, and the first time I ever watched a death match was uh, Terry Funk versus Mick Foley. I mean, that had... Uh, exploding turnbuckles. Oh my god! Uh, that had you know you have your typical um, uh, uh, thumbtacks all over the place, and they're being tossed into uh, barbed wire panels. Um, 
and that and that happens. I mean, we got the CZW here in in Philly. They're doing that. That's basically once a week at this point. God. Yeah, thumbtacks do not belong in my back. Oh my god! Did, have you done those kind of matches? I have done a TLC. Oh, we, oh my god! We did the TL. I was managing him as uh, Jim Shorts, right? Uh, and we, I came up with the TLC match. Now, normally a TLC match is tables, ladders, chairs. Okay. We went to. <laughs> <laughs> we went to teddy bears, licorice, and cotton candy. Cotton candy. Um, believe it or not, there was blood in that match. I was going to say, I believe you say it didn't quite go as then, planned. No, because Cole Calloway took the licorice and started whipping me, whipping me with it, and it left marks, and I started bleeding. Oh my god! I'll tell you what, though, you you were a trooper. You took that fall. On a bag full of teddy bears, like a champ. I mean, it looked like it hurt. Hey, those eyes hurt. It was unbearable. Are you kidding yeah. me? <laughs> oh, they got little little beads in there, and they got little pokey eyes. Not only that, but he had them all lined up in the corner, and every stinking eye there must have been forty three <laughs> of them looking at me. I know it. Nothing like a teddy bear watching you. That's it. They're they're sketchy. Um, but that, you know, I mean, that was that was probably the craziest match I've been involved in uh, as a manager. Um, if you go on the network, you'll find some other stuff. Uh, th- there's the Kennel from Hell match, which was just oh a God. disaster. I'm trying to remember which pay-per-view, but it was Al Snow versus the Big Boss Man. And it was a steel cage surrounded by another steel cage. And in between that was some German Shepherds that they had patrolling it. But unfortunately, the German Shepherds were too busy either peeing and pooping on everything or they were humping each other. So there was zero, nothing. there was nothing wrong with it. There's no barking and snarling. Not None of that. Um, the other, I mean, the one I told you to look at, you can, you can right. take it right into uh, Thanksgiving time, the turkey on a pole match. <laughs> During What's the that? Great American Turkey Hunt, Jake Millman versus Colonel De Beers, and they put a slick turkey on a pole. Did you ever see that one? Was that AWA? It was. It was AWA, and basically they had a stuffed, uncooked turkey on a pole, <laughs> and the first one to get that turkey would win. <laughs> you also got a free dose of salmonella. Oh, it's just going, it's a salmonella match, basically. But uh, Millman, uh, De Beers got the turkey down while the ref wasn't looking, and Millman stole it from him when the ref was looking, and he won. So he got himself that slick, greased slick up turkey. You can see that on turkey. YouTube. Oh my god! I'll send you the link for that yeah, one yeah, for yeah. the show notes. Um, and then the one that caught my eye was the uh, anus explosion death match. <laughs> uh, Frontier Martial Arts Wrestling promotion in Japan had uh, Hayabusa versus Gonosuke, and the abje- the object of that was to incapacitate your opponent long enough to shove a firecracker up his ass and light it. Oh my god! That's a that's about. Uh, I what could go wrong? The, yeah, what could go wrong? I mean, to me, that's a retirement match. Uh, yeah, I would think so. What do you say? You up for it? I'm out. Yeah, I'm out. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So, yeah, it sounds like Bizarro is pretty much just the everyday for wrestling. 
it's it started bizarre. It'll keep going into the bizarre. Um, I think Mister Ulala and uh, and Hightower had a match where uh, kids jumped on them out of the audience. That's true. Those stinky little filthy kids had nothing better to do but then dogpile on top of us. I honestly don't remember who got the W. I'm pretty sure it wasn't me, <laughs> but th- there was kids everywhere. It was just, it was, <laughs> I don't want to do it again. <laughs> they imagine. say never work with children or animals. Animals, right. I, I guess that goes for wrestling, too. Right. Or wrestlers. You know. Exactly. <laughs> well, that is fantastic. So, what got you into wrestling? What is your moment? Oh, my gosh. I, you know, I really think it was my grandmother. I think, you know, she would... I can't remember the first time I sat down to watch it. it I feel like it's always been there. You know, and then it just exploded. You know, in the beginning, I would watch it, and then my friends started coming over to my grandmother's house and we would be like five or six of us, you know, John and my other friend, Scott, Frankenfield and I, and my grandmother would all sit around and watch it. Even my dad wasn't interested in it, in it or anything. Who was your grandmother's favorite or who did she hate the most? Oh gosh. Yeah. <laughs> she hated George the animal steel. I remember every, every time he would come on, she'd just be like, Oh, I can't stand him and his furry back. <laughs> so of course I you know I would hope he would be on every single episode just to watch her cringe. I was that kid that would bring her, you know, books of snakes cuz she hated snakes. And I'd be like this little evidently I'd be like, you know, 5 6 and I had this wildlife book and I'd be like, "Grammy, look." And she'd be like, "Ah, it's snakes." But she'd do the same thing with George the Animal Steel. And she'd always be like, "Get that furry bastard." <laughs> Yeah, I mean, my grandmother was my inspiration for wrestling. Yeah. She my, I had an old great-grandmother, I should say. Mm-hmm. My great-grandmother, my mom, uh, she was in her 80s at this point, Yeah, probably about 350. And we would sit there and eat uh, kielbasa. And she was an old Scottish woman. So we'd eat kielbasa, and she would yell at the screen, and I would yeah. just... You know, I, at that point, that was the only I didn't really have the memory of the wrestling. I knew it was right. wrestling because it was it was Saturday morning wrestling and right into roller derby, which right. she was into just as much. So, I mean, you know, what what bizarre things grandparents would have you watch back then? You know, I mean, I guess oh, with, I with only four channels on the TV. Right. You know, but it would always be we would watch wrestling and then it was creature double feature. And then she, I would watch Kung Fu Theater at some point, and she'd be like, I don't want to watch that. I'm like, you'll, you'll watch the wrestling, but you won't watch Kung Fu Theater? She's like, nah, I'm done. What do you mean that you won't watch <laughs> Kung Fu Theater? Kung Fu Theater. <laughs> but yeah, it was, uh, I remember, the, then, then it exploded, so everything started, all the toys came out. You had the little... The little, well, the larger action figures and the ring you could get. and Yeah, I have those, uh, actually, the uh, LJN figures. I have yes. those in my uh, office at work. Oh, that's fantastic. I have them. I got the Hogan, Sheik, and all those guys. Yeah, I mean, there's a really good on Netflix called The Toys That Made Us, and they just this oh, season covered the wrestling figures, and it's an amazing, like, one-hour documentary about wrestling figures. I mean, the other ones are about the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, G.I. Right. Joe, all that kind of stuff. But the wrestling one was really interesting. 
even if you're not into it. And there was everything from sheets to cereal to uh, the the pillow like buddies or whatever the wrestling buddies I think they were yep. um, the Stretch Armstrong like ones and they're really... all featured on that. It, oh, it'll that's take great. you back, great nostalgia walk. Even uh, well, the ice cream sandwiches. There was yeah, like... the uh, re- the wrestling uh, super bar. Jeez, uh, super bars, ice cream bars, ice wrestler cream bars. ice cream bars. Yep. I would always get. I, I would always wonder why I got the junkyard dog one. I mean, that was right. for some reason I got him in uh, uh, one of the Hart. Uh, what was it? Uh, Jimmy Hart, the manager, oh. megaphone. So how bad are the movies? There, there's been quite a few of the wrestling movies that have come out from uh, the wrestler to the series Glow. Well, the series Glow is really good, and the wrestler is an amazing. Mm-hmm. It, you know, I mean, it's kind of based on Jake the Snake Roberts oh, in a okay. way. Um, during his down period and recovery and all that kind of stuff. Um, but, uh, I mean, I thought you were going to talk about, like, No Holds Barred and uh, uh, Santa oh, with muscles and stuff. Right. Now, No Holds Barred is my son and I's probably one of our favorite guilty pleasure movies. Right. It's just awful but <laughs> laughable fun. Sure. It's there for entertainment, but to your point, Glow was absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. That series and even The Wrestler. Right, yeah. I mean, back in the back in the day, I mean, Glow was was. Uh, I remember I guess, watching Glow. Yeah, I mean, it's boner material for like a twelve year old. Oh, it was. <laughs> you know, it absolutely was. Um, but uh, yeah. <laughs> I think you were wa- you were watching cable porn for some or some reason. <laughs> Are you gonna let him talk to you like that? Uh, yeah, nothing like scrambled porn, it's kids. Good for the show, <laughs> scrambled <laughs> porn, Cinemax, Skinemax at night. You didn't know whether it was an elbow or a nipple. I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would be at my friend Steve, and we would stay up late. His parents would go to sleep, and then he actually could get it downstairs just so it could almost come in. But again, like you say, like I, I think they're boobs. No, no, they're her knees. <laughs> What's she doing on? Oh, which if it's the same actress at this point in time, it's her knees basically look do look like what her yeah, right. look like her knees. But fun fact: there's an announcement at eight o'clock coming out about WrestleCon three. Ooh, so that's what I'm looking for. Oh yeah, update us. So, what other bizarre things do you, do you want to know about wrestling? Uh, I know you mentioned there was a Vice series. There is a Vice series. Um. Uh, anybody who's got all the uh, the uh, Vice Channel, um, they basically covered stuff from uh, wrestling in the Congo, uh, the Exotico. Tra- there's a first transgendered Exotico uh, champion, which is basically it's 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 about uh, body slamming homophobia in Mexico. Wow. There's uh, being gay in Japanese wrestling. Um, there's one or two about the death matches. Uh, and then there's also one about um, Canadian wrestlers, like basically going to remote areas to try and bring wrestling to people who have no other form of entertainment. They're going out to like you know Saskatchewan, and uh, yeah, Yukon just and... yeah, like nothing but wow. snow and all around. And yeah. obviously they're putting on a show for these people. Wow. So yeah, Vice series got a really. I mean, they also have the Dark Side of the Ring uh, series, which is a lot of the guys talking about uh, the you know uh, Macho Man and Elizabeth. Um, uh, the death of um, uh, uh, Bruiser Brody, mm-hmm. um, uh, 
because you know he was stabbed to death in the shower in Puerto oh. Rico. Oh wow! You know, a lot of people think that was uh, Col- the Colognes who did that um, over dispute over money. There was a. Oh, no, go ahead. Oh, I, I was going to say, you know, I mean, you got, th- there's all kinds of stuff like that. The the Montreal screw job with Bret Hart and Vince McMahon. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of, a lot of, if you're, if you're not into wrestling, it's really cool show. Yeah. To just even, you know, know the behind the scenes stuff and, and you, you might get into wrestling just by watching some of this stuff. But, you know, I mean, there's so much out there you can learn. Just, you know, you pick it up. It's, it's like you said before, it's not fake. No, uh, not fake at all. is the wrong word to use. It I is. mean, you're you're basically if you take a body slam or a bump, it's like getting hit by a car every time <laughs> you hit the ring or the the ring mat. Learning the ropes, you're getting calluses on your back, yeah. like you know, until you get used to it. You never get used to it. <laughs> I can't, you can't just imagine. accept it. Yeah, absolutely. Because I, I don't think people get the ropes. I think. It, they must think it's. Well, I think even when I was little, I would think they were just kind of this elastic, springy thing. But then when you see them set up that ring and they're spinning the turnbuckles, which I then learned what a why a turnbuckle is called a turnbuckle, because you know they're turning the turnbuckles <laughs> to tighten the rope, and it is really tight. Yeah, I mean we're looking at a picture right now underneath oh, the, yeah. the putting together of the ring. That's all. That's all steel. It is steel. Yeah. yeah. And then you got the boards right on top, right? And then and these you are have boards. Like, then you this have like a quarter two of an by sixes. two yeah. by sixes, and then a quarter of an inch of wood, and then a quarter of an inch of canvas. And you think just coming down off of that from the ropes, but then add in the cage matches and things like that, where you're coming down ten plus feet. Yeah, that's crazy. Like we uh, we were talking at the match how. You know, you have one of the first things I guess you have to learn is you have to keep that head tucked up when you come down and your arms go out and that keeps your head from smacking into the into the floor and, and it's 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 honestly not that easy to learn. I no. mean it, it, it takes some coordination and yeah, you know, so you don't get hurt. So I mean that's not the bizarre parts, but that's that's the reality of it. Well that's well, reality's bizarre. But it's 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 what like I was. I've said a couple of times to a couple of the guys that I talk to, and that if I get anything across in this episode, is what we just said. Fake is a terrible word. You hear it all the time. Oh, wrestling's fake. Politicians are fake. Wrestling is real. These moves are happening. These people are interacting with each other. They're bumping into each other, and slamming each other, and falling from heights, and injuries like Mister Ula Laws or the. There was a wrestler that fell. Um, Owen Hart. Owen Hart, right. I, people die in the ring. People are m- terribly injured in the ring. The, it is not fake. It is predetermined. And if you're as old as we are, you could have a heart attack in the ring, which has happened tw- oh, twice, two, three really? times now. There's been Ted DiBiase, the Million Dollar Man. His yeah. dad died in the ring. Oh, get out. I didn't know um, that. There was a uh, luchador that uh, I guess it was two years ago. Yeah, the karate, hit the uh, the larynx or something to do with the throat crushed his crushed his throat in oh, the ring. Wow, died. Uh, and you know, I mean, there's been a couple a couple people have died in the ring. Um, that's an that's another thing to Google, right? You know, I mean, uh, but uh, so and right now you're training to be a ref, and you are acting as ref. Yeah, I've I've had uh, a, 
I've had three shows under my belt, uh, going from being uh, a manager for over 12 years uh, to doing refereeing, and uh, it's a new ball game. Sure, it's uh, a lot more physical. Yeah, um, and like you said, being in the right places at the right time, trying not to screw things up. Um, there's nothing bizarre about it. I mean, yeah, you, you're you have the best seat in the house. <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> that that's probably about as bizarre as it gets. You get to see, you get to meet all these bizarre people that walk up and yeah. you know become wrestlers and you be know, part of the story. Be part of the story. I mean, that's yeah. you're you're just a fly on the wall. The referee is there just to make sure that match begins and ends. And I just I just couldn't believe how I'm was there as a small amount of time, and I'm like, oh, I want them to body slam me. I want to be a part of it. Hit me with a chair. Throw me out of something. This can all be arranged. I will do it. I will do it. Now, now that's one thing that we probably you and I have hit each other with chairs before. We we had a, we had a, we had a years a year rivalry with each other. It was like siblings fighting. Right, right, right. Except I started with a chair. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> he ended it with a chair. Chair. Well, that's see, that's full circle. Yeah. Uh, well, guys, thank you so much for uh, awesome. giving me your time and explaining all this to me and to hopefully getting them jazzed up to come out and come out to a Liberty All-Star wrestling match. Absolutely. I want to get if uh, you know what's good for you. If I know I know what's good for me. I <laughs> I I called uh, shorts. Go get a table. Yeah, right. <laughs> I remember I was interviewing. Uh, well, he was doing it as Winky Lexington at the time, and I think right. I called him Mister Winky. Yeah. <laughs> Literally, I don't even come up to his pecs. Yeah, I mean, he is... winking. Winky is not is uh, is. There was Mister Little Mister Winky. I I've, right. I think we talked about, but uh... and he tells a great story about his big Winky. Yes, and Santa Claus. So. Uh... I'm not sure where that's going in the show, so you may have heard it yet, but probably not. So you definitely want to stay tuned for a story about Santa Claus and a wrestler's penis. <laughs> now, if that did, that's, that's bizarre. That is bizarre. But thank you both very much. I really appreciate your time. Anytime. Oh, so when is, uh, what's the next match? I think we're going into March. Are we not? LAW, we're not, we do not have a date set, but on December 14th, I posted a video for Mr. Nelson, and I will be wrestling apparently Canada's greatest athlete. Outstanding. Wayne Gretzky? What? <laughs> Alanis Marcel? I don't know, but if you watch the video, the, the kid said he he had mixed emotions. And I explained in the video what mixed emotions, what they were for right. him. Yes. So go to Facebook. <laughs> for Bizarro Aficionado, thank you guys. And, You're uh, welcome. And thank you. Ooh la la! Ooh la la! After talking with Scott and Mr. Ulala, they invited me out to see a match. I wasn't sure what to expect. I was never the jock, even though I had played several sports. 
Were they all going to be hard asses, get out of my way type sort of guys who feel trespassed upon because someone's in their locker room invading their space? Not even close. The wrestlers I met, the vibe in the locker room and beyond, was more that of a traveling improv troupe. There was an overall energy of brotherhood and family, much like the audience they attracted. These weren't drunk redneck guys, it was mum mums, pup ups, moms, dads, children of all ages. It was all different cultures laughing and booing and cheering for their heroes. These were the wrestlers of the Liberty All-Star Wrestling, a combination of new guys out of wrestling school like the Phoenix Fury debuted that night, or men who have been in the industry for 30 years like Mr. Ooh La La. These guys are consummate professionals, and as I set up in a little side hallway of the locker room at Kennett High School, the men greet each other and catch up. They discuss their lives and go over the choreography and the technical moves they'll perform in the ring. To me, it was like being in the Batcave, seeing Bruce Wayne without his mask, and I want to protect that imagery. As many of them told me, the Bizarro is there every day, but they certainly had stories to tell. Tonight was all for charity. Tonight they were going to be slammed, bumped, and bruised, and old injuries would be aggravated for Casey's cause, a charity that fights against the disease of addiction within the community. Tonight, even the heels are heroes. I wanted to know what made men in knee-high boots and elbow pads, wigs, or Mexican wrestling masks go, wow, that is bizarro. So, I asked a few of them. All right, I'm here with Carlton P. Hightower, and uh, we're going to get a little info on some of the uh, background and bizarre things he's experienced. So, Carlton, I know that a lot of people out there don't quite understand the difference between face and heels. Which one are you? We'll start there. I'm a heel. You're a heel. So, uh, tell people a little about what is a heel. A heel is somebody who has no redeeming qualities whatsoever. My role is to get the crowd to hate me, and most importantly, because I'm a manager, hate my clients hate the guys that I manage, which in turn gets the crowd to cheer the baby face. That's fantastic. I think, honestly, I've dated a couple of heels. So um, they had no redeeming qualities whatsoever either. But <laughs> so I'm sure being in wrestling, you've come across some really strange situations or been in really strange matches. Uh, is there a story that sticks out in your mind? Yeah, I did a show in Wind Gap, Pennsylvania. It's probably about 10 years ago where I was managing Mr. Ulala. And we were, uh, it was a gymnasium similar to the one we're in now, and we're walking down the aisle, and I hear this squeal behind me, high tower! And I look over, and I see there is a six-year-old boy who has jumped on the back of Ula and is wailing on him, and before I can do anything, his sister jumped on my back <laughs> and started wailing on me, and we're both thinking, what can we do right now? <laughs> this isn't one of those situations where you can really defend yourself because they're kids. So we kind of just moved ourselves around until the kids got off, which was probably five seconds, but felt like 20 minutes. And that was really bizarre. Oh, my God. So these were just people in the crowd? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just two kids in the crowd. And we were out there for a grand total of five seconds before we had two kids on our backs. Just pounding on us and they were just like we're going to attack Hightower yes absolutely yep that is fantastic so what's your big match tonight um I believe I'm going to be with Wyndham James Winthorpe Ooh, I can't wait to see that thank you so much Hightower I appreciate it okay thank you all right I'm here with Mr. Winky and he's got a really great story for us hey that's Winky Lexington and you need to remember that I'm sorry Mr. Lexington considering he's I come up to like 
the bottom of his chest. That's <laughs> uh, all in good fun, man. Uh, so you, I hear you're talking to some of the guys about the weirdest thing we've ever seen in, in professional wrestling or been a part of. Say for me, we were doing a show, this is about 10 years ago, a uh, christmas theme show, which in and of itself is uh, just a weird idea in, uh, in pro wrestling. Uh, crowd full of kids, candy canes, presents, you know, they're handing out giveaways at the door. Everybody's singing Christmas carols before their matches, just having a good old time. And myself, I was a manager at the time uh, for the night as you know, Winky Lexington often does. He manages talent. Uh, but I was managing a gentleman by the name of Hot Chocolate Chris Crude and the dark horse Greg Spitz. And uh, we were in the main event, naturally. And uh, we're beating up on the good guys. The match just goes completely haywire. We're just beating them down, beating them down, beating them down. The next thing you know, we wish you a Merry Christmas hits. And we're like, well, who the hell's coming out for we wish you a Merry Christmas? And it turns out, coming down the aisle is Santa Claus, and he's got a sack full of presents. And he gets into the ring, everybody's cheering, he hits Greg with the sack full of presents. He lifts his leg up, kicks him in the stomach, gives him a stone-cold stunner. Then he goes over to Chris Crude, lifts his leg up, kicks him in the stomach, gives him a stone-cold stunner, then comes up to Winky Lexington. That's me, unfortunately, in this situation. Lifts his leg up. You mentioned how tall I am. I think that might have been the issue for Chris Kringle on that night as he kicked me in the tip of the uh, little winky, the, the big, the big winky. I don't want to, I don't want to undersell it. The big winky. <laughs> yeah. Um, so ends up kicking me there as hard as he possibly can and adding insult to injury. He also gives me a stone cold stunner, or in this case, I guess a Santa Claus stunner, if you will. Uh, so I laid there on the mat, writhing in pain with my hand down my pants, just checking my faculties, making sure nothing came off or, uh, you know, there was no uh, blood loss or anything like that. Uh, you know, there's children in the crowd. So I got my hand down my pants in a crowd. I, I guess I shouldn't be putting this on tape that that's not what was happening um, man I'm incriminating the hell out of myself on this one but uh, yeah I would say that's the weirdest thing that's ever happened that I got a stunner after getting kicked in the winky by Santa Claus on a Christmas wrestling show Santa Claus is a terrible person what has happened and they're calling you a heel I know I guess well you know Santa Claus might have been the one on the naughty list that year he you know he, he makes his own list and he puts himself on the naughty list I don't know what to tell you well, Mr. Lexington thank you so much for your story and good luck tonight hey, thank you very much I'm here with Dan Peasy. He's the ring announcer, and I know he's going to have some great stories for us. So, Dan, what are some of the strangest things you've seen in uh, your experience in wrestling? Well, we were just talking about probably around 1985 Spectrum Wrestling. We used to go every month with my dad, and uh, I personally am scared of snakes. So Jake the Snake Roberts comes out, snakes in the bag in the corner like usual. The snake actually got out of the bag towards the end of the match and made its way from where the ring was at the spectrum to the boards, all the way to the boards. There was a space between each section, you know, on that side of the ring, it was the opposite side of where you came out and it was that right corner. And we were actually sitting down low that day, about five rows off, and they didn't corral the snake until it literally got all the way to the boards. And I was about 13 rows up in the stands because I bailed, I was out. But, but I, I just kept watching it come closer and closer. I'm thinking, when is somebody going to figure out the snake got out of the bag? But everybody was watching the match. I forget who Jake was wrestling tonight. But the snake actually made it from where the ring was in the center of, the, of where the hockey rink usually is at the spectrum all the way to the boards that night. So I'll never forget that. Oh, my God. So who ended, do you remember who ended up coming out and getting that? Did Jake come out? Or? It wasn't. It was actually security guard. And then what happened was the match was ending. And then I remember the security guard kind of wrangled on the snake and then Jake coming over and 
because he always put the snake on the opponent and stuff right. like that and getting the snake and w actually physically walking it back to the ring to kind of finish the stick up at the end of that match. Oh, my God. That's fantastic. Dan, how long have you been doing this? Liberty about – this is our fourth or fifth year back with Liberty All-Star Wrestling. But I grew up with, uh, with Mike Keener, who was a senior official for ECW, one of the officials for ECW, and we always loved the wrestling, always followed it, and always followed Mike's career with ECW. And also, when we had a chance to bring these charity wrestling events back, uh, it's fun for us, it's fun for the people, it's great for the charity. And I just think for, just for the communities, people that can't get to the major wrestling shows, there's few, used to be every month, as you probably remember. I used to go, I used to drag my poor father down every month to the Spectrum and every month to the Civic Center to see the, to see, uh, the old Jim Crockett promotions, uh, uh, WCW back in the day. And uh, you, don't get, you don't get as many shows. I think it's great for the kids, for the families. The way we do it is a family-friendly, the old-school, good versus evil. And I think it's well-received. I, I, I hope that it grows a little bit more regionally. And it's just, just an outlet for people that like wrestling and to bring their kids to these family shows that we're doing. Oh, absolutely. It's great. And you get to bring in a whole new generation to wrestling. Because it, it was so accessible for me as a kid in the 80s. You know, it was, it was everything. They had from pillows to your sheets to, you know, the action figures. Oh, my God. Remember the ice cream bars? Me and Mike Kaner, when they came out, they're supposed to. We, every day we went to 7 Eleven and asked when the ice cream bars were coming in stock, lining up to buy these. I think they were $1.50. They weren't cheap either. Lining up to get these wrestler and printed ice cream bars when they came out. Another thing we used to do is. Uh, Bill Apto was local up in up in Ben Salem area. He was the editor of uh, Pro Wrestling uh, Illustrated uh, and the Wrestler Magazine. We used to line up monthly to get those magazines. Oh, I remember the magazine. I remember chasing the the ice cream man specifically for those ice cream sandwiches just to get you know the printed one whether it was andre or hogan or whoever and it's just we didn't care about anything else was on there at the time i think the wrestlers were more identifiable with the people back than they are now a little bit more where you almost like in basketball or other sports where you would identify with certain wrestlers and that was the guys that you liked and i know at the civic center they even cheered four to four horsemen and the bad guys because it was that type of crowd down there and tonight is a charity match. Um, a little bit about the charity and what it's for. Yeah, Casey's Calls, uh, it's for addiction awareness. We're losing a lot of young people uh, to uh, substance abuse, drug and alcohol abuse too early. There's a big banner outside that, that, that denotes some of the people that died way too early. Just to bring awareness, uh, one of our wrestlers, Joey's uh, wife, is um, one of the heads of the local chapters. This is the second Casey's Calls event we've done. We have two more lined up. Um, I think it's a really good mix of us bringing the family on at a wrestling show and bringing some awareness for addiction abuse. That's fantastic. And in the show notes and everything, I'll put where the next matches are. So get out there. Get out there with your family. Enjoy wrestling because that's what it's really best when you can bring your kids, bring the family out here, have some fun, and see what it's all about. Thank you, Dad. I, I really appreciate, appreciate it. So you got it. And I'm here with Greg Spitz. He's got a pretty good story for us. Greg, you've seen some pretty strange things out there? Yeah. Um, good. Yeah, I'll take the microphone from you. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, as we all joke that, like, most of wrestling, strange and unusual is everyday life. But I know um, back, I guess, early 2000s when nobody was paying attention to concussions the way they do today, I'd gotten a few of them in uh, just doing a bunch of shows. And then one weekend I left a show, uh, you know, the next thing I know, I, I come to in a cornfield, still behind the wheel, cars still going, and I, uh, you know, just 
just pull right back on the road and finish going home. But I guess, uh, you know, by by the grace of whoever's looking over, I managed to live through that. But yeah, waking up in a cornfield, not knowing how you got there is is a true thing. And it, it has happened. So I guess that's strange and unusual. Yeah, absolutely. Now, are injuries like that something that wrestlers talk about? Or is it something you kind of like, look, we know this happens. Let's just kind of put it in the background. I think uh, immediately after it happened, I got on my cell phone and called one of the other guys who was on the show. And I was like, you're not going to believe this. I just woke up in a cornfield. I was like, get off the road. Just pull over. I was like, nah, nah. Because we all just have that mentality like, you know, just tape it up, move on. You get hurt. You just keep going. It's like, you know, if, if, if you get hurt, wait till uh, Monday when you're at work. And then, then you got hurt at work. So you can... <laughs> Not that I said that. Let's let's admit my name from this. No, see, I, that's really what I want to get across, at least to my listeners, is that saying that wrestling is fake is one. It's just awful. It's an awful term because it's not fake. People get hurt out there. It may be scripted or something predetermined, but it's anything but fake. Yeah, it's. I mean, do you like movies? I mean, it's it's just like going and and telling some. You know. Oh, Avengers, that, that wasn't real. Yeah, but it was entertaining. It made more money than any movie ever. You know, I didn't love Avatar. Am I going to call it fake or am I just... It, it was entertainment for the people who liked it. And that's what that's what this is. It's, you know, the outcome may be predetermined and it's safe to say that and you're not breaking any rules because they blatantly say it on every wrestling promotion out there today. But it's, you know, it's a form of entertainment. It's, a, it's an art form. It's improv live uh you know it's it i've always loved it and i always will and there's a cult following of people that same thing just because you know somebody decides who wins who loses doesn't mean we're not going out there and falling down in front of you and and guys are connecting with punches and kicks sometimes you know i've uh one of the guys here tonight i I kicked his teeth out (laughs) so you know and then he apologized which is yeah sorry i was out of place so it's the, the the longer you do it, the weirder it is. So he, he apologized for having his teeth on your fist. It was my boot, technically. Yeah, yeah. I I knocked him out, and he was like, "Well, I had to get him fixed anyway." So you know, I I prompted that to happen a little bit. Uh, I expedited the process. That is fantastic, Greg. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Good luck tonight. In the end, there was bravery and cowardice, hilarity and disgrace, and it was all done for the laughs and the jeers and to raise money for the community. So maybe wrestling isn't your thing, or maybe like me, you've been watching since you were a little kid, jeering at the heels and cheering for your favorite face. What down-to-earth, real local wrestling brings to the ring is integrity, family fun, true good and evil in a world where it is less and less defined in media, TV, and movies. They teach either by example for the face or with clear delineations of what not to do because they are the heel. Although for me, it's far more fun to cheer for the heel. But what surprised me the most, being backstage in the locker room, was not if wrestling was predetermined or if the hits were really landing, but the spirit of brotherhood and sisterhood that exists between the wrestlers and the open arm acceptance of a fan with a fledgling podcast, but also their involvement within the community and the vibe of its elders wanting to teach the up-and-coming new guys. There's more here than just pile drivers, atomic slams, or flying elbows, or even kicks to the big winky. 
it's doing what you love and bringing a story and a respite to its fans. And for that alone, I am a very rejuvenated fan who's definitely ready for more. And that's our show for tonight. I'd like to thank Scott Marvel, Mr. Ooh La La, Killian McMurphy, Dan Peasy, Greg Spitzway, Winky Lexington, Carl Hightower, HCAV Pros for the use of their mics, and Catching Z's for the fucking fantastic new theme song. If you'd like to get in touch with the show, you can do so by sending an email to bizarroaficionado at gmail.com. And would you like to help, help out the show? Well, then... Go into wherever you get your podcasts, subscribe, leave a comment, whether it's Podbean, Stitcher, Apple, wherever you get your podcasts, it really helps out the show. And uh, thank you for tuning in tonight, and remember, stay bizarro. Smoking on gas, got me slunk, chasing Z's, chasing Z's. I've been high above my ass, magic beans, magic beans, flying solo, Mr. Dolo. What you mean, what you mean? Grab control and major time. Do you read, do you read? Smoking on gas, got me slunk, chasing Z's, chasing Z's. I've been high above my ass, magic beans, magic beans, flying solo, Mr. Dolo. What you mean, what you mean? Grab control and major time. Level up, now I'm building myself Every day, never taking breaks, killing myself Addicted to the gold, only focused on wealth Still slide to my nine to five Just to buy the time till I'm on the rise Passing off, I'm not asking you This ain't frat rap, tell the haters fuck off I'm shining, so blinded That's a vibe on God, no diamonds Broke boy, got nothing in my wallet Spend all my green on the green quite often Still flawless, stand tall and Say fuck it to me, face calling Time to ride the wave, override the shade Inhale the haze, have a lovely day Oh